We are uh, in this book called Love Does. And hopefully if you're a guest with us today, you grab one of the Love Does books off the table. In fact, if you haven't yet grabbed one of the Love Does books, we bought some for each, like one per family for anybody, like whether you've been with us all six years, Open Life has existed, or whether you're brand new today. So there's a book per family back there. And it's the coolest read, uh, just full of encouragement of how to just love people. And it's story after story about Bob Goff and the author and, and how he's just taken on whimsy moments of love and shared Jesus through loving others. And it's pretty cool. So if you grab that book, but really where we've been camping during the series is in Luke 10, this section of scripture that probably in your Bible is entitled The Good Samaritan. And this story is, a, really there's a, a religious leader that comes to Jesus and questions Jesus about like what he needs to do. He, he called it his should do list, right? He's like, what should I do to inherit eternal life or, you know, follow you? And, and he's looking for his list of shoulds that I think oftentimes we read the Bible and look for, or we attend church and listen for. We're looking for, man, what's the should do list this week, right? But that's not the heart of Jesus. And he confronts that uh, by telling him a story. And he was like, man, what does the law of Moses tell us? And Jesus says, well, what do you think it tells us? And he says, I think I should love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and uh, spirit, and my strength, and love my neighbor as myself. He says, go and do that, and you'll, you'll experience life. But then the guy asks him, well, who's my neighbor? And that's where Jesus answers a question with a story. And he tells this story of uh, this despised Samaritan caring for a person when others passed by. This person who was left for dead, and the Samaritan did something about it because love does. And I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope you're enjoying the book if you've been reading it, and I hope that you've utilized, I know that we've got a couple messages in on the, the app or the website. We, we put open life dot church slash love does out there so that you could share your stories uh, that have either been inspired by the series or the book and you can share man what have I been doing inspired by this and, and pretty cool stories we're going to begin to share here uh, but I just want to encourage you 2016 is a year where we want to hear what you're doing out there loving people and celebrate that as a church but today's big idea, as we jump in, Jaden gave it away just moments ago. We're talking about compassion, right? Compassion moves people to love. And here's the section of Luke 10 that we're camping on. It. It's, the real, it's the story. It says, The despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. 
So this story, how it led up to here, right? A priest came by, and this is what we talked about last week. A priest came by and went to the other side of the road. The temple assistant came by, saw the man, and did the same thing, went to the other side of the road. But the despised Samaritan came by, saw the man, and felt compassion. Compassion. The number one emotion of Jesus, right, is felt compassion. He shares and identifies with the sufferings of humanity. Came to this earth for that very purpose, to make a difference. And I, I like suffering and grief. Jesus like is drawn to that to bring hope and healing. And so I think over the course of this talk, we need to ask ourselves, man, when was the last time I was moved by compassion so strongly that I had to take action? And maybe what stopped me from allowing my heart to be touched at that level? I think everyone should go on a missions trip in your lifetime to a foreign country so you can experience really how well we have it at our very worst here. But that's not the only reason you should do it. You should go so that you could just unconditionally serve people who can never pay you back. Like, no way, shape, or form they'll ever be able to return how you love them. And that's the essence of, like, pure, true love, right? Unconditional love is just giving, and there's no way, shape, or form it's got any strings attached to it. It's just unconditional. It's here. You deserve love because you're you. So that's kind of the heart of this, right? But what about our neighbor? I think it's easy to go on a missions trip, actually, where you're serving somebody that you will never see again. You're asking somebody if you could pray for them that you'll never see again. If they reject you, who cares? You'll never see them again. If you pray for healing and they're not here healed, oh, well, I'll never see them again. There's an element of a foreign missions trip that's easy, right? But we're supposed to love our very neighbor who's going to see us again, who's going to hear us, who if the windows are open and we're having that normal morning in the house when everybody's trying to get ready, you get ready, you get ready, ah, you know, and it's like, are the windows closed? Dear Lord, (laughs) you know, when's the knock on the door? Is everybody in here safe? You know, and it's like, no, I'm just kidding. We don't throw things in the house. But, you know, so it's just that reality. It's that moment. How, what are people supposed to be loved like that live right next door? Maybe that person who's racially different than you, religiously different than you, background different than you, behavior different than you. Can you love that neighbor? And that's the challenge we're having here when there's a despised Samaritan that is the one who loves. Jesus just like goes right for the jugular and says, you should be filled with compassion for everyone. When was the last time God shook you to the core like that, that you just loved so much that you had to do something? That's what compassion does. So that's what we're going to look at. Three things that compassion does ultimately, and the thought one is it leads you to stop the bleeding. It leads you to stop the bleeding, especially in this scenario, right? This guy's beaten, robbed, left for dead. 
Luke 10, 34 again says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Isn't it sometimes easier just to kind of point out the problem and just keep walking? Jaden talked about this last week, where it's, it's easier just to, to, to go, yeah, man, that guy does have a problem, and you just keep going. I was a little convicted last week, right? Um, because as he's talking about the priest and the, the temple assistant doing just that, walking by and seeing the need and just going, man, somebody should do something about that, but kept walking. And uh, I was convicted because the day before there was a cupcake making party at our house and there was frosting like everywhere. It was like not just frosting. There were lumps of carpet destroying lumps of sugar all over the hardwood, you know, and you're just thinking, I'm going to step in this well, or, or somebody in the family is they're going to track it on the carpet. Dirt's going to get black spots. We just had our carpets cleaned not long ago. Ah, so what do I do? I walk by that clump of frosting and I go, man, uh, there's frosting here. Somebody should totally pick that up. And I keep going. And so as Jaden's talking about the priest and, and the temple assistant, like just walking by, I totally am going, man, yesterday, how many times did I say that? How many times did I? There was this particular lump of white frosting that was like pretty big. And I was just going, that's a full foot load. Like if you got a good shoe on or, or you know, you're just, and I was just going, yeah, that's a bad one right there. Somebody should really get it. And I just kept walking by and I was like, no. So I was a little convicted, I'll have to admit, because it's easy to just point that out. And so if I was in the Good Samaritan story, it would be like, it'd be like the pastor walked by and pointed out the Samaritan and said, he looks bad, and, and walked back by later and said, wow, he still looks bad, and then walked back by later and said, there really is a guy there who needs some help, and then the Samaritan would have showed up. So I don't know who cleaned that pile of white frosting, but it never was me. And I felt bad about it last Sunday while Jaden was preaching. But the goal isn't that you feel bad when somebody's preaching. It's that you're built up and feel good. So I found the good in the talk. And now hopefully you find the good in today's as well. Because we do that. We tend to just pass on by the need. And the Samaritan doesn't point out what is wrong. He sees and he soothes. Most people don't need us to point out what's wrong in their life. When we look in the mirror, when we evaluate our life, we know where we need to be more obedient to God, where we need healing, where we need deliverance. It's no mystery to us. It's no mystery to God. But the Samaritan here just helps. Maybe that's why so many people over the course of generations have left the faith or left the church. Maybe they found themselves feeling bad or feeling not good about themselves because somebody got up and told them for an hour what they were doing wrong and screamed at them and they just went, man, I'm doing a lot wrong. And they left every week, I'm wrong. And they left every week, I'm wrong. But that's not the goal. The goal is you're loved. You're loved. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus for you to a cross and rose from the grave three days later so that you can inherit eternal life. Hope and good news. The gospel means good news. So we can't dwell on that. We can't just sit here and poke your problems and say, 
this is sin, this is sin. Do you feel it yet? You know, that's not the goal of a message like this. And that's not what the Samaritan did. He didn't go, whoa, this wound looks bad. You know, and drive it deeper as if he was like on the blacklist or something. Because that's something that would totally happen on that show. Give me the information. Not that I watched that religiously. Okay, moving on. Uh, He determined to stop and be present and open his wallet and open his life and give up his donkey. He gave up his ride for this guy. He paid his own money. The Samaritan didn't just try to numb the pain. He did something about it to solve it. He soothed, he bandaged, he stopped the bleeding. He got involved, and he helped now. So what would it look like for you to, like, symbolically, I guess you would say, bandage the wounds and stop the pain around you that your eyes are open to? Think about the scenarios you experience during the course of the week. What would, what would make a difference? Would it be bringing someone a meal? Would it be uh, surprising somebody with groceries? Would it be letting someone use your lawnmower, borrow your car? It's easy to say someone should do something about that, but to be the person who does something about that is something totally different, right? I'm not qualified. I don't have the expertise necessary to do this. But maybe God is showing you so that you can do something about it. That's what compassion does. It allows our eyes to be open so that we can do something about it. That's why God gives us eyes and ears and minds. So I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Caesar Kalinowski, I think it is, is like a church missional leader and was actually here in Washington for a while in Tacoma with Soma Church and, and uh, now just trains and teaches people how to do uh, really house churches or missional church. And he talked about one of his house churches one time and what they would do when they gathered is they would walk around their, the neighborhood he lived in. And as a group, they would do a prayer walk and they would look around and just ask God to open their eyes to the needs around them. Help us to see what, how we can love our neighbors. And they would do that. They would walk around, and, and it was crazy the things their eyes would be open to. Maybe it was a lawn that could use mowed, or, or maybe it was somebody who was working on their car. And, and they would just wait and, like, for the Lord basically to prompt them as to which project. They would come back together and say, well, which project do you feel God's maybe challenging us to get involved in? What are you most compassionate about? Was it a playground that was broken down that needs weeded or what? And they were in the heart of Tacoma. So it was really interesting, the stories they came up with. And I was like, shouldn't we go through life like that? Maybe the most powerful thing we could leave today and do is a prayer walk in our neighborhood and just ask God to open our eyes to our literal neighborhood. What could we do? It's easy, though, on the other hand, to just see the need and go, well, you know what? I'm going to pray about that. Isn't it? Or even somebody gives you a, a need, they're just like, they're like, they share with you something that's going on in their life. Well, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. And instead of being something that draws you together, compassion takes over, and you begin to literally pray for them, you use prayer as something that distances you from the need. I don't think that's the intent of Jesus. I don't think his intent was that we would use prayer as a long arm in between us and a need, but that we would pray while getting involved. 
It's a challenge. Really, we need to pull people closer to pray with them. Man, take that as a challenge, right? The next time somebody's sharing a need with you, and I love how Ed uh, has shared stories with us as a staff. We pray over all the needs written on the back of the connection card, and, and he was sharing just the other week again about how he was going through grocery line one time, and somebody expressed a need that was the teller, the person who was ringing up the groceries and said, um, hey, uh, they were talking about something about their their husband had cancer or something, and he was he was like, well, what's his name? Could I pray for him? And they were like, you would do that? Absolutely. And like he really did it. Like that's, that's engaging the need and not going, wow, well, I'll be praying about that. Well, do you want his name as we walk away and don't listen? It's so tempting to do that with our faith. But what if we stopped and actually got somebody's name and began to pray? Maybe the question needs to be asked for us, what can I do to help now? Thought number two, compassion leads you to get people the help they need. Compassion leads you to get people the help they need. You can't take care of all of the needs in the world, but love and care for them and get them to the help they need. Luke 10, 34, he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Sometimes we don't know what to do, and we feel paralyzed, so we do nothing. Honestly, that's me every time I see somebody broken down on the side of a road. I'm like, man, I should, I have no mechanical skill sets whatsoever. Let's just be honest. I am one that God put on this planet to support those who have the gift of mechanical abilities. And uh, so that's my giving back is to take it to the mechanic and support him in his business venture. Anyway, so, but like, you know, you do, you're like, man, I can't, I can't do a thing about that car, but could you do something about the people in the car? And we just drive on by. You know what to do when you don't know what to do? I mean, do we know what to do when we don't know what to do? Here's the one word answer something. Something is the beginning of anything. Like, beautiful things happen if we just have that why not mindset. Let's go back a couple of years for those of you who have been around and say, why not just take 20 seconds of insane courage, walk across the room, something great could happen. That's from the book of We Bought a Zoo, if you've seen the movie. But anyway, you know, so it's just like, that's not in the Bible, for those of you who are wondering. It's a movie Great moment, great line. But why not? Man, what if I just did something, anything? We are not told that the Samaritan had medical professional background. We are not told that the Samaritan was wealthy enough to give up two coins to put somebody in an inn. We are not told that the Samaritan had professional care training. All we're told about the Samaritan is he was despised. He was human, and he had open eyes and saw another human who needed help and did something. All he knew how to do intuitively, he did. And we have the capacity to do that every day. You know, we're, there's a good Samaritan color code system 
that maybe would help us. Listen to this Good Samaritan color code system. I don't know where we heard this, but it's kind of good. Uh, green light is when you see someone in need, but what they need are tools and resources to help themselves, right? That's a green light. means maybe you can keep going. You don't have the capacity. There's a yellow light, which means slow down, need more than you pointing to a resource or tool, but they actually need someone to have them help get help. And uh, then there's the red light. Stop, drop everything, call 911. It's an emergency. That's when the Samaritan showed up on the scene. It was a red light. That's what he did. He stopped. And he helped the need right at the moment. And there are times you want to help, but you will not have the capacity or the tools to help. But you should know when it's an emergency and you can stop. The Samaritan takes him all the way to the inn. And if you remember in the story that Jesus is the hero, we've talked about this over the course of the weeks, Jesus is the hero, and uh, the Samaritan takes the man to the inn for help, right? To provide for the one beaten and down, which is usually us. And is it possible that Jesus has healed us and now brings broken people to us? We're in the position of being Jesus with skin on, the good Samaritan, if you will, and we get a chance to help those who are in need and provide for them and, and take them to the innkeeper. Are we safe enough? Look at us as a church. Are we safe enough church for anybody to walk through the doors, no matter how broken are they? Are we patient enough with people that we don't make them behave on the outside before they're transformed on the inside? And we give forever for that to take place. We are not in behavioral alignment business. We're in the Jesus sharing business where we make the love of God so known to people that it will transform them from the inside out. Will we extend the same grace Jesus extends to us? That's what Jesus does. He loved us so much and gave us so much time to be transformed. Thought three. Compassion leads you to put yourself on the line. To literally put yourself on the line. Luke 10, 35, the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If the, his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. The priest and the temple assistant at this point probably headed to the temple, right, as they walked by on the other side of the street, and they probably, when they got there, had to pay alms to the poor or else they were in sin and weren't keeping the law. So they're giving to the poor when they walk into the temple. Had they in their mind connected the dots in any way, shape, or form? You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I really hope that the temple can provide for that person we just saw, like Miles Backbeaten, who might not be alive by the time the temple can go help him. How did they not connect the dots? How did they not think that their help would have been more important than the coin? that they were putting in that bucket or whatever it looked like in that day. And I think that challenge is for us. That, that compassion would move us and be what we're about. Compassion isn't what we do, but it's who we are. And that priest in that temple were doing a task of being a priest and a temple assistant, but they weren't opening their heart being moved by compassion. 
But the Samaritan says something interesting that I think is very gospel-ish. He says, if the bill runs higher, if the bill runs higher, think about your life. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll forgive you right now, and I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to raise from the grave three days later so that you can have eternal life right now, like where you're at in life, but if you make any more mistakes, yeah, I don't quite have enough to pay for that. That's not the gospel story. The gospel story is everything Jesus did was enough for you and me. He gave up his body. He shed his blood, and it's still enough today. Oh, yeah, and you make mistakes tomorrow, which we're going to do. And guess what? He left the tab open. The tab is open with your name on it and my name on it. And grace is still covering your sin. That's why we have the chance to celebrate the price that Jesus paid for you and me to have this promise of forgiveness and eternal life if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. He says, if the bill runs higher, I got it. Jesus is communicating a lot in this story, isn't he? The gospel's so much better than Jesus just giving a couple coins to cover our sin at the moment. It's above and beyond. It covers everything. The passage I've been moved by over the course of time the most when it involves the word compassion I had to share, even though we've been camping in Luke 10. It's Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And honestly, it's where we get our practices of connecting, serving, and sharing. And you'll hear why. Verse 35 in Matthew 9 says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he heard, er, he, he heard, he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers into his fields. And if someone followed me around during the course of a week and took notes of what was happening in, in this dude named Thad's world, I would hope that maybe at some point in time they could pen he had compassion on them. Because that's what Matthew penned about Jesus. He had compassion on them. After he did what? After he connected to every town and village. After what else? He served them. He was healing and and preaching and sharing good news of the gospel that God has come to heal all your diseases, to cure you of your sicknesses, to do the miraculous. And then he shared this with his disciples. He shared that, man, these guys need leadership. These guys need love. They need people to be present in their life. Go be present and pray for more people who will go be present. He connected. He served. And he shared in their pain, and he shared in the vision to meet their needs. That's compassion. 
in a word. I pray the same over you. That in some way, shape, or form, love does through you would look strongly like compassion. Man, it could take on so many different forms. That's why you can't give like a should list. You just know the culture and DNA and the, the, the heart of God, and you allow that to come through you as an act of compassion. So your next step challenge today is, who is compassion leading you to help? Who is compassion leading you to help? Think on that. Contemplate that out. Go through this week with extra open eyes, with your head up, your eyes open, your ears open. Man, what could God do through you in the life of someone who just needs compassion today? Somebody to be present. We're going to do something cool in response today, and we usually have a reflection time or response time, but today we're going to partake in communion during this time. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with communion, this is what this moment is. It's a celebration of all that, that Jesus did by giving up his body on the cross for us and shedding his blood. Simply doing something Jesus himself challenged us to do as his followers. So he said, man, anytime you take this bread he had in his hand when he was, had his disciples around right before he was crucified, he said, anytime you take this bread, break it in and take it in remembrance of me. This is my body. So it's not really his body. It's just French bread, non-gluten-free if you wondered. So anyway, and then, uh, and then Jesus grabbed a cup of wine, which it's grape juice, so no worries there. Uh, and, and he said, drink this in remembrance of me, representing the blood he shed literally to cover over our sins on the cross. The disciples practiced that later, and this practice of communion began to be passed down. And, and, and what's encouraged is that you only take of the bread and the cup if you've made a decision to follow Jesus in your life. Because if you have not, then, then you're just eating bread and taking of a cup, and it's, it's looking at the cost Jesus paid for our sins lightly, and that we would not do that. So I want to challenge you today in two ways. One, if you've never taken communion before, maybe you've yet to choose to follow Jesus, let's, let's take care of that today. Let's choose to follow Jesus and celebrate the price he paid through communion. But two, if you've just, if communion's never meant much to you, today you would realize, man, by taking this, I'm saying I'm going to be that worker that's going to be compassion out there in the world. Because Jesus was the ultimate representation of compassion. And we're following his ways. We're in the seat of the Good Samaritan now. So may our eyes be open the moment we celebrate Jesus today. So God, I want to pray first for those who have yet to follow you. And that's totally okay. It takes time. I sat in church for six months processing how you could dare love me when I was 21 years old before I chose to follow you because I realized I could never outrun your love. 
And I pray that there's some here every week that have that same story, that are processing how in the world could God love me so much that he would send his son? How in the world could he go and give his life for me and the price is still paid, the tab's still open? Well, God, I pray that they would realize the way to discover the fullness of that is simply by following you, by inviting you into their life. And that we would take a pause moment right now to do that. So if you've yet to receive him and you want to, you just simply pray out to him and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you. And I want to learn what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I say yes to you today. And God, for those who've never really considered the depth and the power of being one who is your vessel of compassion to the world. May their eyes be open to that today when they receive these elements. When they take that bread and they just simply dip it in the cup and then, then consume it. God, I pray that representation of your body and your blood would open their eyes today to the work that you have for them out in the harvest field. The field that is ripe with people who need love. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Send us, God to be loved to the world, and most specifically, the neighbors right next to us. Thank you for these challenges. They're eye-opening. They're convicting. We say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.